Today on Know the Truth with Philip DeCourcy. Our fears are like vampires. They want to suck the life out of us. They want to drain us of vitality. But like vampires, they can't stand the sunlight of God's presence. And we need to bring our fears out into the sunlight of God's presence. We need to talk to ourselves and talk out our fears. Welcome to Know the Truth, a Bible teaching ministry of Philip DeCourcy, Senior Pastor of Kindred Community Church in Anaheim Hills, California. You've probably heard of the psychological response, fight or flight, and that's the title of today's message from Pastor Philip. The text is Psalm 11, where we read about God's constant care and protection of those who call out to Him. In times of trouble, God stands with us and protects us. You can find related resources to our message at ktt.org. Now, here's Pastor Philip. I invite you to take your Bible and turn with me to Psalm 11. We've been looking at some psalms of trust. And Psalm 11 is another psalm of trust. Listen to the words of King David as he writes, In the Lord I put my trust. How can you say to my soul, flee as a bird to your mountain? For look, the wicked bend their bow. They make ready their arrow on the string, that they may shoot secretly at the upright in heart. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold, his eyelids test the sons of man. The Lord tests the righteous, but the wicked and the one who loves violence, his soul hates. Upon the wicked he will rain coals, fire and brimstone, and a burning wind shall be the portion of their cup. For the Lord is righteous. He loves righteousness. His countenance beholds the upright. Keep your Bible open. Follow along. I want to speak this morning on the subject, fight or flight. I don't know if you've heard about the Irishman whose marriage was in trouble. And so he thought he'd go to a counselor to relieve some of the the stress and the, the strife that was part of his life and part of his home. And as he shared his concerns about his marriage with the counselor, the counselor was a big jogger, and he recommended at least part of the therapy and part of the remedy would be that this man should run 10 miles a day for 14 days. And he said, you know what, if you do that, I'm not saying it's the silver bullet, but it'll release your stress It'll give you time to think. It'll clear your head. It'll change your outlook on things. And after 14 days, the counselor calls the Irishman up and he he asks him how he's doing. He says, I'm doing fine. He asks him, have you been keeping the regiment of running? He says, I have each and every day. And then he said, you know, well, how's your wife? To which the man replied, hi, what I know, I'm 140 miles from home. Now, I want to pause so you can laugh at that. But, But here's the funny thing about that. In a sense, it's the serious thing about the funny thing. That the first inclination that often grips the human heart when trouble comes is the desire to run. Let's be honest. When you and I have problems, one of our first thoughts might be, how do we escape this? How do we run from this? 
faced with mounting challenges. People like to do an about face and take themselves to the hills. The first bus out of town is their ticket to peace and salvation. Now, while running is a temptation, I think you and I know by experience it's not a solution. And I say that because there are problems and problem people wherever you go. And let's be honest, on many occasions we're half the problem. And so I want to come and look at Psalm 11, the issue of running from a problem, the issue of fight or flight. Because if you read the opening verse, we read, in the Lord I put my trust. How can you say to my soul, flee as a bird to your mountain? From what we can tell, David wrote this psalm during a very stressful time in his life. And you can hear from the language I just read that it would seem that some close friends or some advisors within his administration have encouraged him to take counsel of his fears and head to the hills, to flee, to fly like a bird to the mountain for safety. And yet David stands his ground. David questions their answer. Why do you say to my soul, flee like a bird to the mountains? The circumstances have challenged David's faith in God, but that faith in God has not been conquered, nor has it crumbled. David's faith holds fast. He refuses to flee in the face of danger, and he's got a lot to teach us. He will encourage us to express faith when we're tempted to run. This is a psalm marked by panic. And yet David is encouraging us as he has encouraged himself not to panic. Remember what Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones said? Faith is a refusal to panic. Trust in God refuses to panic. It refuses to run. It stands its ground in the most difficult circumstances. It was a trying time, okay? It was a period of persecution. We know that David's knack was in a noose in terms of his life context. His life was under threat. Fight or flight. Should I stay or should I go, as the old song puts it? That's the question being addressed here. And David stays. David remains. In the Lord I put my trust. You know, some years ago, the British novelist J.B. Priestley was invited to write a short article on the theme of religious beliefs. Interestingly, he declined the offer. And here's what he said. He said, you know what, if I was to write this article, I would emphasize more of my denials than my affirmations. I'm not the right person to write this article at this time. Then he said this wistfully, I regret this because now is the time for gigantic affirmations. I love that. And in the middle of this coronavirus, in the middle of a world that's confidence has been shaken, where men are making their best guesses but can't guarantee anything. In the midst of this confusion, in the midst of this fear, in the midst of this growing anxiety and pandemic, this is a time for great affirmations. And we're coming to look at another one of them in Psalm 11. So if you're taking notes, I hope you've got your Bible open. I want you to see, first of all, what I call the counsel. The counsel. This is verses 1 to 3. In the Lord I put my trust. How can you say to my soul, flee as a bird to your mountain? For look, 
The wicked bend their bow. They make ready their arrow on the string. They may shoot secretly at the upright in heart. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? Panic launched this psalm. Let me say that again. Panic launched this psalm. From what we can tell, either an inner circle of David's friends or his political advisors had told him, with the best of intentions, by the way, I think this is well-meaning. In their mind, it makes complete sense. Hey, the kingdom is being threatened. Your life is being threatened. If we can't save the kingdom, let's save the king. And they encouraged him to flee like a bird to the mountains. That was the counsel that was given. The foundations are being destroyed. The foundations here speak of custom, tradition, social order. This is conveying the idea that there's moral anarchy going on in the kingdom. It's a time of great instability. The foundations are being destroyed. What are the righteous to do? Well, you could say the righteous could pray, the righteous could organize, the righteous could witness, but the implication of the Hebrew is here, there's nothing the righteous can do here. You know what? All they can do is flee. And so that's the kind of context. And you know what? Look, you and I are living in Western nations where the foundations are being destroyed, where the Judeo-Christian philosophy that governed politics and culture and life is being mocked where our universities have become bastions of human secularism, where Christians have become the scapegoats. There was a New York Times article this week mocking Christians as people who don't believe in science, mocking them and their advice to the president. You find that all the time. You'll find that in movie storylines. You'll find that in sitcoms. That's the day we're in. The foundations that once marked Western society are being shaken. I like what Paul Powell says. Our music is noise. Our dances are convulsions. Our language is unprintable. Our art is junk. Our worship is irreverent. Our jails are overcrowded. Our streets, parks, and offices, and courthouses are unsafe. When a couple walks down the aisle to get married, odds are their marriage won't last seven years. Won't last as long as a warranty on a washer or dryer. I'm not trying to be overly pessimistic, but you know what? Before we even get into this crisis, crisis was marking our culture. It's a culture marked by death and despair. The foundations of life are constantly being shaken. This is just another episode. What are the righteous to do? Well, it's interesting in the context here, when the normal protections are disappearing, the counsel to David from well-intentioned friends is to flee like a bird to the mountain. And you know what? I want to say something just to balance this a little bit. This isn't the first time David will have faced this temptation. If you go to Psalm 55, he tells us of another time of treachery where a friend had stabbed him in the back, one who had gone to the house of God with him. And during that time, and there were deaths surrounded him, he said, oh, that I had the wings of a dove that I might fly away and be at rest. David knows this temptation. He has thought about it himself at times, and now either political advisors or an inner circle of friends are reminding him of its wisdom. And let me say this, by the way, there are times when ducking danger 
is not a lack of faith. It's just prudence. It's just wisdom. It's just common sense. It's living to fight another day. In fact, in 1 Samuel 19, 18, David does flee from the jealousy of Saul. 1 Samuel 19, 18, you can read it yourself. Jesus, in speaking about persecution, in Matthew 10, 23, he says to his followers, when you're persecuted in one city, flee to another city. Christians have had to flee the Middle East, leave one city for another city. Sometimes that's appropriate. Sometimes that's not cowardice. Sometimes that's not a lack of faith. It's just prudence, and it fits within the providence of God. In fact, you can look up in Luke 13, 31 to 34, that some Pharisees who I think had some love for the Lord Jesus Christ went to him one day and said, you know what? Herod wants to kill you. You need to run. Jesus was faced with that temptation. It's a timeless temptation. And we've got to fight it. And we've got to think it through. And we've got to strike a balance. Maybe a good example of the challenge that it is and praying for wisdom to measure the circumstances and to come up with the right response. Is it time to stay or is it time to go? Fight or flight? A good example of that would be Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Some of you might know his story. He was a Lutheran pastor, joined the German resistance, was part of a plot to kill Hitler that failed. He was arrested April 9, 1945. He is hung in Flossenburg concentration camp. I'll let you listen to the words of the camp doctor who describes the scene. Pastor Bonhoeffer, before taking off his prison garb, knelt on the floor, praying fervently to his God. I was most deeply moved by the way this lovable man prayed, so devout, so certain that God had heard his prayer. At the place of execution, again, he said a short prayer and then climbed up the steps to the gallows, brave and composed. I have hardly ever seen a man die so entirely submissive to the will of God. But here's the interesting thing. That didn't need to happen. In fact, as the Nazis took control of Germany, earlier in 1939, Bonhoeffer sees the writing on the wall. He sees the night of broken glass, the internment of Jewish people. He realizes that the confessing church might be next. And along with several theologians in Germany, he gets out and comes to the United States of America. He has been encouraged to stay here, to be a voice, to write. And he does that for a while, but after a while, he becomes uneasy that he fled, that he ran. He understands there's some good arguments for it, even justified arguments, but his own conscience and his own conviction, July 8, 1939, he goes straight back to Germany and ultimately to the gallows. Here's what he says about finding the courage to return. Daring to do what is right, not what fancy may tell you, valiantly grasping occasions, not cravingly doubting, freedom comes only through deeds. Not through thoughts taking wing, faint not nor fear, but go out to the storm and the action, trusting in God, whose commandment you fully follow and faithfully follow. Freedom, exultant, will welcome your spirit with joy. That's the timeless temptation. Do we go or do we stay? Fight or flight. That's the, the counsel given to David 
flee like a bird to the mountain. Well-intentioned, but David decides to not heed it. Which brings me to our second thought, what I call the conversation. The counsel, the conversation. Following the counsel from his friends and advisors, well-meaning, well-intended, and you can make an argument in some ways even justified, David disregards what he considers to be demoralizing advice. He perceives it as the voice of fear rather than the echo of faith. And he starts up this conversation with them, with himself before God. In the Lord I put my trust. How can you say to my soul, why do you say that? Flee? I know that their finger is on the trigger and they lurk in the shadows and I can see that the foundations are destroyed and at this point, what can you do? Not very much, so go. A well-known writer by the name of H.L. Ellison said this very interesting little thought. The love of your friends will often create your most subtle temptations. Hmm. Let me say that again. The love of your friends will often create your most subtle temptations. Even the well-intended advice of friends or family can keep you from the will of God or what you perceive to be the will of God within the providence of God. Now, David challenges the voice of fear. Why do you say to my soul? Or how can you say that? And you know what? You and I need to take a lesson from this. We need, in the midst of circumstances like we're going through, not a world away from David's crisis, we need to challenge the voices of fear and precaution and apprehension within our own lives. Did you notice that David's not addressing the Lord directly here? While he calls on his name, he's not addressing the Lord directly. He's speaking to himself in the presence of God. David takes himself in hand. There's a swirl of thoughts and emotions going through his mind that are being stirred and fed by the counsel of his friends. And what he decides to do is talk them out in the presence of God and before his friends. How can you say to my soul, flee? I'm making God my refuge. This isn't the first time, by the way, David does this, and it's a good thing in life. Psalm 42, verse 11, in the midst of his depression, despair and doubt, what does David say? He starts taking himself in hand. He starts talking to himself. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Can't you hope in God? Can't you anticipate yet seeing his countenance and the smile of his providence? In Psalm 103, verses 1 to 5, Bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. David is talking to himself. And that's a good thing to do. Our fears, as someone has suggested, are like vampires. Our fears are like vampires. They want to suck the life out of us. They want to drain us of vitality. But like vampires, they can't stand the sunlight of God's presence. And we need to bring our fears out into the sunlight of God's presence. We need to talk to ourselves and talk out our fears. I like what Max Licato says in his book, Fearless. Be specific about your fears. Talk to God about it. Putting your worries into words disrobes them. And they look silly standing there naked. It's a great idea, great thought. 
it's the thought that Martin Lloyd-Jones has argued and it's been quoted many, many times. You know what? Don't let yourself talk to you. Talk to yourself. See, when you get up in the morning, when I get up in the morning, our self starts talking to us. Oh, poor me. Man, this thing's bad. I might not have a job two weeks from now. Will our money run out? And that's the way it starts. I'm all alone here. What if people overlook me? And on and on it goes. Our self starts speaking to us. And Lloyd-Jones says, hold on a minute. Start talking to yourself. Start reminding yourself he will never leave you or forsake you. Start reminding yourself that God can supply all your need. Start reminding yourself that all things work together for good. Start reminding yourself that you live between the hedges of God's providence and no harm touches you except within the will of God. Hey, Philip DeCourcy again. I hope you were encouraged by today's message and that it made you consider your need for Christ. If you're hearing today's message and you haven't yet accepted Jesus as your Savior and Lord, you're in the right place at the right time. I believe it's no accident you came across this message today. The Holy Spirit is speaking to you through the word of the gospel. He's calling you to faith in Jesus Christ. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. You'll never know when you'll feel this way again, and tomorrow isn't guaranteed. You need assurance of salvation, which comes through faith in Jesus Christ. Hear the words of Jesus in the Gospel of John, chapter 5 and verse 24. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. What a wonderful promise from the lips of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hear that invitation and accept that gift. Put your faith in Jesus Christ today and be assured that heaven is your home and God is your Father. And if you're ready to follow him and would like some guidance, we'd be honored to pray with you. We'd be honored to help you. You can reach out to us at Know the Truth by calling 888-644-8811 or by emailing us at info at ktt.org. We'll talk with you, pray with you, and get you set up with some really great resources to help guide you in your new journey of faith and life in Jesus Christ. And if you don't think you're ready, or you have some unanswered questions, we'd be happy to help you and talk those issues through with you and provide you with some helpful resources for your questions. Just give us a call at 888-644-8811 or email us at info at ktt.org. All right. Thank you, Philip. Again, that's 888-644-8811 or email us info at ktt.org. And if you'd like to help us in the work of sharing the gospel with others, give a gift of any amount today. And when you do, you'll receive the book, Seasons of Sorrow, The Pain of Loss and the Comfort of God by Tim Challies. If you or someone you know is going through a season of loss and could use some encouragement and strengthening, then this book is for you. 
Combining personal narrative, sound theology, and beautiful writing, this book is an honest look at grief, fear, faith, and hope, and will help readers behold the goodness of God in all of life's seasons. You can request your copy today with a gift of any amount. Just call 888-644-8811 or give online at ktt.org. And when you give a gift of $40 or more, you can also request the Psalms of Trust personal devotional booklet, along with direct online access to the entire Psalms of Trust Statements of Faith series. Filled with sermon notes and study guides for each sermon this month, this devotional booklet will act as a personal guide as you delve into this encouraging series. Again, call 888-644-8811 or give online at ktt.org. And while you're on our website, you'll find instructive and inspiring resources like Pastor Phillips' Truth Matters devotional, which challenges believers to embrace God's unchanging word in an ever-changing world and live each day for His glory. Well, I'm Wayne Shepherd, inviting you back tomorrow as we continue to draw encouragement from Psalm 11. Be listening Tuesday to Know the Truth. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Know the Truth Incorporated. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free.